ഹിബ begin a new series after that but uh suratul jinn inshallah is where we're starting today uh suratul jinn is probably the most comprehensive passages in the quran dealing with the creation of the jinn and the, the the creatures and what we are to know about them from revelation in the quran of course hadith literature is also extensive about the jinn um the previous mention of the jinn if there's any any place that has somewhat of a detail is suratul ahqaf there's some things there and surah ar-rahman of course fa bi ayyi ala rabbikuma tukadhiban the pairs used constantly for the human beings and the jinn but this time actually we get to hear from the jinn themselves there are according to some the the mention in surah al-ahqaf and here is the same incident others say these are two distinct incidents where a group of jinn heard the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam reciting the quran and they actually were so mesmerized by it that they became muslims and then they have a monologue they're speaking and this was now their, their speech the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't hear but it was revealed to him that this is what the jinn are saying that this is what the jinn are saying now the word jinn before we go any further jinn the word jinn comes from the verb janna yajinnu janna yajinnu which actually means to cover janna yajinnu means to cover and from it other nouns other you know uh jamid asma that come are janna janna comes from the same origin because it's a garden that's covered you know hadiqa al kalima al mu'tada al adiya ഹദീക്കാഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്ഡ്
So these, these creatures, uh, you know, before we go into the surah, I just want to, you know, hopefully heal you and cure you of some curiosities you might have. Ooh, I wonder if this surah is going to have some jinn stories. Sadhman, do you know any jinn stories? You know any possession stories? Have you ever seen a jinn? Have you ever heard of anything? Is there you know, a sheikh that can tell us about jinns or something? People are obsessed with jinn stuff. Okay, it's like the, it's the comic book aspect of our religion where people are just really, really into it and for some reason. And they're really intrigued by it. And if somebody tells a jinn story, everybody huddles around and says, oh, that's awesome. And it's perfect because when you talk about the shayateen, they gather around. They join the halaqa too. So <laughs> talking about them is actually calling their attention. If there's very little we know about them, but one of the things we know about them is people that take an interest in them, they take an interest in them. <laughs> so avoid your gin, stories, gin story swapping and all of that. It's not an entertainment subject. It's a creature of Allah. It was, shaitan is from them, but not all jinns are shayateen. We'll learn in this surah, some of them are Muslims, some of them are not quite Muslims. They're not even called evil necessarily. You know, minna duna dalik, there are others of us that are just, they're not, they're not evil, or they're not bad, etc. But they're not good either, etc. So, so there are a separate creation of Allah. You know, in, in biblical literature, basically the only equivalent to that we have is demons. I mean, they, they usually basically call them demons. And demon, of course, uh, when they use that word, they necessarily imply a hellish creature, like an evil creature, right? That now, the two unseen entities that we know of, or basically there are three unseen entities that we know of that have intellect. Right? That Allah created, that we know of. There's the human being which has an unseen entity in him, the ruh. And the ruh is an unseen entity. The physical, the jasad is seen, but the ruh is unseen. Right? The second unseen entity is the angel. The, and then the third unseen entity is the jinn. So there are three actual unseen entities. Usually we think of the angels and the jinn, but there's actually the human being. Which inside of him, interestingly, the human being has inside of him two things. And human beings inside of us, Allah says, فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا right? He inspired the human being with capability, potential of evil and of good. Our good potential comes from our ruh. Our ruh, and from what the Prophet ﷺ told us in describing the ruh, one time he called it nur. He called it light. And we also know that angels are made of light. So we have an angelic dimension to us in some sense. Some part of it is angelic in nature, wants to obey Allah. When I, when I say angelic, I mean absolutely willing to obey Allah under all circumstances. And that's the ruh. قُلِ الرُّوحُ مِنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّي right? The ruh is from the amr of Allah. The ruh is, was in complete obedience to Allah. It was in Allah's company before it was put into our mothers. You know, our own ruh. So it has that you know, quality of light, which is also given to angels. Then inside of us, there's an evil tendency. And of course, the Prophet ﷺ describes that the shayateen can run inside our blood. They can literally just run in our blood. Quran talks about the closeness of the shayateen, the, the invisible dimension. These, the, the shayateen, the jinns, they can be around our chest. Right? Yeah, so it goes around the, the, the chest of the person and he's there. Allah didn't give him access to the heart that says mercy, he says chest. Like fi sudurin nas, not fi qulubin nas. You open the door to the vault and let him into your heart, that's your problem. But he has a close enough access. He's also an entity inside of us. Inside the qalb we have our ruh. And you know, outside you have this, you know, the access of Iblis, of the access of the shayateen. They have, they're there too, and they have access to make waswasa to us. We have to fight them. So there's this internal, you can call it an internal conflict, a battle happening. You can think there's an outside battle that's going to be described in the skies that happens between the angels and the jinn. And the angels definitely win. They shoot, you know, anti-aircraft, anti-jinn, you know, projectiles at them and they run. And there's this intergalactic battle happening in the skies and we're going to learn about that. But there's actually a battle happening inside of us, which is also a battle between our angelic side and the shayateen that have access to do waswasa inside of us, right? This is the part of jinns that we should know about. This is the part of, you know, the, the presence of shayateen and how we're supposed to make, make sure that we're pure, that we're physically pure, you know, that we don't attract it because they are attracted, the shayateen are attracted to filth, how we're supposed to stay in wudu, how the Prophet ﷺ gives advice to us of how, how we should purify ourselves before we go to sleep, you know, so we don't see evil dreams and that they don't make waswasa in our dreams and things like that, you know. Those are the kinds of things we really should look out for. Of course, the other things... 
that we, you know, uh, in, in Desi culture are really like suffering from is like magic and spell casting and somebody put a jinn on them and this and that. That's kind of crazy stuff. And it's, I'm surprised that even in educated circles, this kind of thing is like really common. This kind of talk and this kind of belief and this kind of like, uh, 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 you know, my a cousin of mine, my, my aunt didn't like that she was getting married to this person, so she put a jinn on him or her or something crazy. I'm like, you go to an Ivy League school, you're talking like this? What's wrong with you? Yeah, and also she wears an amulet around her arm or did this or this or that to protect themselves from the influence of the jinn. You know that idea of protecting yourself from the jinn? We're, we're going to learn something about that here in this surah. So some, some secrets about that will be unlocked at least. So we understand how we're supposed to be dealing with this creature. Allah mentions them very little in the Qur'an, enough so we know that they exist. In a, and more, more than jinn, Allah warns us about shaitan. More than the jinn. Shaitan is one brand of jinn. He warns us about them. And in, within shayateen, there are jinn shayateen and there are human shayateen. And shay, the word shaitan, from shatana or shata, it's two origins that are argued. That it could be fa'lan, it could be like a mubalagha, right? And if, that, if it's from shatana or shata, either way the meaning is influenced a little bit, it means someone on the one hand who's extremely hopeless and the other extremely enraged. Someone extremely depressed, has no hopes in the mercy of Allah and then does whatever he does. If you have no hopes, like if somebody truly, truly believes, I'm not going to heaven anyway, might as well just do whatever. I'm, I'm, a, lost, I'm a lost cause anyway. Then they become a shaitan because they have no hope. That's why Allah doesn't allow us to lose hope in His mercy. Don't lose hope in the mercy of Allah. And the other meaning of shaitan is someone who's overly enraged. Overly enraged. And so people that are just, they live a life of rage and anger and hate, that's also a shaitan. Someone who becomes just indulged in that completely. And that just becomes their life. So may Allah Azza wa Jal protect us from the waswasa of shayateen. And so we begin, قُلْ Tell them, let them know. It has been revealed to me. That a group, a party from among the jinn, heard. They just listened carefully. They heard something carefully. And you know, when they say, you will expect, something, some some object should be mentioned. It just says they listened carefully. It doesn't say, listen carefully to what? And instead of telling us to what, it goes straight to their reaction post listening. فَقَالُوا Then they, as, as a result, then they said, they declared, إِنَّا سَمِعْنَا قُرْآنًا عَجَبًا We, no doubt about it, were the ones we heard a really unique recital, a, a, re, a unique recitation, a great Qur'an. Qur'an literally a recital, a recitation. عَجَبًا بَدِيعًا فِي بَلَاغَتِهِ وَفَصَحَتِهِ It was something that's unique, unparalleled. We've never heard anything like it. So the, the Prophet is reciting Qur'an and there are jinns around and they're listening. You know, on the one hand, we ask Allah when we recite Qur'an, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Right? Which should get rid of all the evil jinns from around you when you're reciting Qur'an. فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ When you recite Qur'an, seek refuge of Allah from shaitan, the ultimate evil. But that doesn't mean all the jinns go away because not all the jinns are evil. There are innocent non-Muslim jinns too. They're not evil. Just because they're not Muslim doesn't mean they're evil. They're just creatures of Allah. Like they're not non-Muslims that are, you know, like Mus'ab ibn Umayr is an innocent non-Muslim until he becomes Muslim. Abu Bakr Siddiq is an innocent non-Muslim until he becomes Muslim. These are people that were not Muslims, but that doesn't mean they were evil. That just means they, weren't, they hadn't accepted Islam yet. Just like that. They have jinn that are around and they're listening to the Quran and they're impressed by it. They're moved by it. Yahdi ila rushd, it guide path. Fa'amannabihi, so we've come to believe in it. And we will never associate, we will not associate anyone with our master ever, ever. And he, how high is the majesty of our master is. Ta'ala is the fi'il, jaddu is the fa'il. Ta'ala jaddu rabbina. The majesty of our master is so high. His nobility, his glory is so high. He didn't take any wife. He didn't take any associate. Sahiba, here used in the meaning of wife. Wala waladan, nor did he take a son, a child. 
wa annahu kana yaqulu safihuna ala Allahi shatata and our idiot used to say all kinds of violent you know vulgar things about Allah our idiot used to say that they're calling shaitan the idiot among us safihuna he's their big chief the shaitan is the, the very powerful you know uh, uh, jinn who was such who had such a high ranking you all know even above the angels he had a ranking but now but he he's lost that place but he's still got a pretty high ranking among the jinn he's got seniority there he's got a lot of power there so but but they now that they've come to islam they don't even say iblis they don't even call him iblis they call him our idiot safihuna the stupid one among us that's what they call shaitan and then they use the word shatat which i think you might have heard where so tulkahaf right qawlan mufritan a word that goes beyond the limit in, in being a lie and in being a misguiding you know, a statement, something that misguides others. This is shatat. So the idiot of ours keeps saying all kinds of misleading things about Allah. And now, for sure, we've come to realize. And we've come to know for sure. We know and we are truly convinced now. And actually, we used to, we used to believe at, at, uh, back then, how could a human being or a jinn ever speak a lie against Allah? If these people that are more knowledgeable than we are, they're speaking, human beings, they thought of as more knowledgeable than themselves because human beings from the very beginning have been even given more knowledge, sometimes more knowledge than the angels have of the world. Right? Adam was given names of things and angels were asked and they didn't know. So they thought of human beings as more knowledgeable too, the jinn. And on the other hand, there are jinns that are more senior than them and they always assumed. Oh, we realize now that was a mistake. We always assumed if somebody speaks about Allah, why would they be lying? Well, how could they? So they were gullible. That's the other, the other you know, dimension to it. And by the way, there's a parallel to that in humanity. There are people that are just gullible. And they assume, why would my priest, why would my pastor, why would the imam, why would you know, the rabbi, why would they ever say anything wrong? What, what would they get out of it? Why shouldn't I trust them? And life is simpler, simple that way. Life is just simple that way. You know? Until you come across the truth and it hits you really hard. And then it's really hard to tell others that too, because they have the same question you have had all your life. Why would they lie? They're nice people. Why wouldn't they say the truth? This, you know, being able to separate truth from your love of people is very difficult. It's a very difficult thing to do. Because a lot of times when people can't leave a false religion, it's not because it makes sense to them. It's because people they love, they say, why would they do something wrong? How can, you, how can I get myself to say all the people I love and respect and admire are not only on the wrong path, they're preaching the wrong path. And they're teaching the wrong path. I can't get myself to accept that. It's a very difficult transition. So it's, it's so for the jinn. Check this out. And we also knew that for a long time, there were men among the, the human beings. They would go, this is an Arab tradition. They would go out and you know, travel a lot in the night. They preferred traveling in the night because the day was too hot. When they would travel in the night, they would take rest stops some, sometimes some woods, some patch of you know, mountain or somewhere, and they would hear the howling of a wolf or like, you know, dogs or something, or you know, predators, snakes, and things like that. So they thought all of this is like jinns. So we're in this jinns territory. So they would like light a fire, and then the, the Arabs would just get up and say back in the Jahiliyyah days, you know, we are coming into the protection of the jinns of this territory. We mean no harm, and we acknowledge your greatness, and blah, blah, blah. They'd give a speech to the, the jinns that, that are in the area and say, Please let us stay in your hotel, type of deal, <laughs> you know. And the jinns who have no such expected, like they don't have this. This here is our territory, you know. They had no such thing. That's all made up in the human mind. Like you know, ever since I've been, you know, little, you know, I went to, you know, like when I was little, I went to Pakistani school, and my friends were like, you know, those woods over there, there's jinns that live there. In that tree, don't go under that tree. A jinn will jump on you. And then your teeth will get longer. And, you know, I had a friend, his, his feet became monkey feet because he slept under that tree or something. They got all these stories. So you always think, like, that's the jinn area over there, <laughs> right? 
And this happens in many, many cultures. And this happened in, in ancient Arab culture. And by the way, were jinn around? Yes, they were around. And they're sitting there going, how stupid is this? We thought these human beings are intelligent. They're really stupid. They're asking our protection. Okay, this should be fun. Now, one, one power the jinn do have is to make waswasa. So they go put a feeling in the, the guy's head. The only way to save yourself is to do a dance around the fire. <laughs> And the guy just thinks all of a sudden, Oh, jinn, in order to save myself, I shall perform the ritual dance. And the jinns are having a laugh. And these guys are making all kinds of voodoo practices, and dolls, and rituals, and entire mythologies. And they're building all of it. And who's getting a kick out of all of this? The jinns are thinking, how stupid can they get? How dumb can they get? Oh, make, make him put a patch around his arm. Make him do this or that or the other. And people fall for it. They are seeking refuge from men from among the jinn. So they increase them in more stupidity. They pile stupidity onto them. We saw before, piling. So they increase them in piles and piles. The ulama say there's a tamiz here. They increase them in stupidity, in disobedience. In more misguidance, you people are, you know, they're such morons, why not mess with them? Okay? So the jinns don't necessarily want to mess with you, but if you come over and put a target on your face and say, hey, I'm ready to be messed with, then yes, they will mess with you. You know how you see like these devil worshipping, like, you know, cultures and cults and things like that, and they light candles and put pictures and put skulls and all this, like, they're like, where do you get this stuff from? That's a pretty elaborate method to your madness. You know, they've got an entire like, methodology to it. Where do you think they get it from? The shaitan reveals to them, hey, now try this. Now do that. Now put a monkey skull like amulet around your head. You know, a, bra- a necklace around you. You know, and then do this dance and light that fire. And people do it. And they do it. So, فَزَادُهُمْ رَحَقًا وَأَنَّهُمْ ظَنُّوا And they had assumed, كَمَا ظَنَنْتُمْ just like you have assumed, that Allah will not be raising anybody. You don't have to answer to Allah once you get so concerned that you have to answer to the jinn. You have to answer to these devils and protect yourself. The concept of akhirah just disappears from this conversation. And, and we, we used to go touch the sky. Which means we used to get, as, uh, get pretty high. Sama doesn't just mean sky, it means high. We used to get pretty high up. فَوَجَدْنَاهَا مُلِئَتْ So but when we would just get to the, the limits of the sama, just get somewhere, we would find that it's filled harasan shadidan with hurras aqwiyat min al-malaika. It's filled with guardians of the angels because they're creatures of the unseen. They can see the other creatures of the unseen which are the angels. So the creature of fire can see the creature of light. Okay? So they would go up to the sky, just, you know, hanging out up in the you know, sky. But, you know, you, as you get closer and up to the, the, the guarded territory, you start seeing, you know, when you go into like classified area or private property, no trespassing. If it's really secure, what do you start seeing then? Guards. So they go, and there's some free space in the sky up there. But you go a little further up, and we found there's an entire army of angels standing guard there. So we can't go, we don't want to mess with that, so we don't go any closer. What's shuhuba? And if some of us even tried to go a little closer, shu'ala narin, tanqad, there would be, you know, meteors, shots of fire shot at us, shuhuban. And this is actually flames of fire that fall like falling stars. So then you see a falling star, right? Sometimes the falling star may be even an indication of the jinn tried to go up there, and the angels shot something at him, and they're like, okay, 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 okay. And because they're stupid, right? Some of them are the shayateen are stupid. So they don't learn their lesson. So they try again. Let's do it again. And they get shot at again. And let's do it again. And they get shot at again. <laughs> and this is something about shaitan. We know they, the shayateen, they repeat their behavior. Even if they get burnt by it. Okay? So when we say, A'udhu billahi shaitan rajim it hurts them. But they come back for more. They come back anyway. So, okay, we can't go all the way up because it's all secure and we get shot at. So we found some other places that we used to sit in. Just close enough. So, in places that are at a distance so we can hear maybe a little bit of what's going on. Maybe some overhearing of the conversation of the angels. 
We need to know what's up, what's going on. فَمَنْ يَسْتَمِعِ الْآنِ But more recently, it seems like the security's been beefed up. Security threat level red. Not even orange, it's red. So our old places were used to go sit, and those were our hiding spots. We thought there are hiding spots. We might be able to hear something. By the way, our ulama explained what that means is sometimes the angels get to get, grab some little bit of information from the angels that are coming down to the earth from the Amr of Allah. They can't steal all of it, but they hear some things Allah allows them to hear. And then they come to the mind reader and the, you know, the, the lady, the gypsy lady with the, with the ball thingy. And they give her a little half-baked information and she fills in the rest with her creativity. And that's, that's their business. That's what they do. But these, so they had these spots in the sky. But as of late, now this is of course during the revelation of the Qur'an, what Allah did was, even those hangout spots that the jinns had where they might hear something, all of them are locked down and there's extra security everywhere. So they say, Anybody who even tries to listen now, immediately he'll find specifically for him, like sniper fire, a shihab, meaning a meteor, a, a, you know, a, a ball of fire, rasadan, yani targeted directly at him, rasidan, mutaraqiban, yarjimuhu, it is it's shot at him and it follows him. You know, like heat seeking missiles? <laughs> it's like. Now we can't even go near our hangouts because now it's not just a warning shot that's fired. A specific shot is fired towards us. We try to run. It follows us until it hits us. So security has got really beefed up. So we realized something really classified must be coming from the sky to the earth in this season. Something must be coming. We don't know what it is. We can't even get to know if it's good or bad because we try to get even close and we get shot at in this way. Shihab al-Rasadan. So this is the jinn commentary about what is happening while revelation of the Qur'an was going on. While the revelation of the Qur'an was going on, the jinn couldn't even get close. Otherwise, they had some space in the sky. Some place they could be. You know why this conversation is so important? Because one of the allegations of the Quraysh was that the Qur'an is being, being given to him for, from the jinn. That he's majnoon. Majnoon means it's a maf'ul of got jinn on him. Someone who's got jinn on him is majnoon. And the jinns themselves are saying, yeah, no, we have no access to that. The jinns are saying, we can't even get close to that information from, coming from the sky. Really, like a, a very secure entourage is coming, and even the roadways are blocked. And all the, the normal places we can be are no longer accessible to us. And as a result, we had no clue. Is great harm intended for the people on the earth? We didn't even know. We had no clue. Is evil intended for the people on the earth? Is the earth about to be destroyed? Is a classified message of complete destruction coming down? Or does their master intend good for them, guidance for them? We don't know. Because when revelation of this level security comes, it's either one of two things. A nation is totally about to be destroyed, or great guidance from Allah is coming. Those are the two great forms of revelation that come from the sky. And in both of them, the, angel, the jinns cannot have any access. Why? Because if the jinns get even a little bit of a whiff that their friends on the earth are about to be destroyed, what are they going to do? And go and warn them and they can leave town. They can't do that. No, no information is given. So you don't know if revelation, good revelation is coming, or punishment is coming from Allah. But when it comes, all the access roads are blocked for the jinn. Now, something about the etiquette of, you know, the moment you become Muslim, you develop, you're supposed to develop this awe for Allah, this regard for Allah. And the regard that the jinn had for Allah is manifest even in how they speak. And this is part of the eloquence of the jinn. They were actually pretty eloquent in this ayah. They said the word arada twice. The intention is mentioned twice. One time it's urida. One time it's arada. What's the difference between urida and arada, Arabic students? Passive and active. And passive means the doer is not known. Asharun urida biman fil ard. Evil. Was that what was intended for the people of the earth? So in other words, who's intending the evil is not mentioned. And obviously, if harm was intended for the people of the earth, if punishment was intended for the people of the earth, even that intention comes from Allah. But they don't want to say the word sharr and the word Allah together, so they use the majhul. But when guidance is coming, now that's something you should attribute to Allah. So they don't say, 
am urida rashad. Am rashadun urida. Was evil intended or was good intended? No, they go straight to the active because now Allah is mentioned as the fa'il, credit is given to Allah Azza wa They have manners and how they speak about Allah. They don't just use the word evil and the word Allah together just like that. Harm and the word Allah just like that. So, am'arada bihim rabbuhum rashada. Or did their master intend good for them, guidance for them? وَأَنَّا مِنَّا الصَّالِحُونَ And out of us, there are a salihun. They are the good ones too. Notice here, salihuna, is, which is actually uh, the khabar of the sentence, it's the predicate of the uh, sentence, is actually proper. It's ma'rifah. But typically in the Arabic language, you're supposed to have proper followed by, ma'rifah followed by nakira. مِنَّا صَالِحُونَ It says, مِنَّا الصَّالِحُونَ this actually illustrates that the, the good are very few. It goes away from the typical form. And it says, the, the righteous, meaning they're known. And they're not that many. And there aren't any unknown among them. Because the Allama Ta'rif, what does it do? It makes something known, right? So, As-Salihun implies the good ones. Yeah, there are some good ones. I can probably count them on you know, one hand or something. Or there, there are a handful of good ones among us. Okay, minna salihun Wa minna duna dhalik. And among us are those that are other than that. In other words, they don't openly say that they are evil because they're hopeful. They're hopeful for the rest. They want to make da'wah to their community. That's an important lesson to learn even from the jinn who just became Muslim. Among us are good people. Among us are, you could just say, people that aren't quite there yet. That's basically what they're saying. They're not quite there yet. Dun means from lower. They're not quite there. They haven't reached that yet. Dun adhalik. They're besides that. They didn't say وَمِنَّا and then say Al-Qasitun or Al-Ashrar, Al-Fasiqun. They didn't use that language. وَمِنَّا دُونَ ذَلِكَ كُنَّا طَرَائِقَ قِدَدًا We have been all kinds of... We have basically... طَرَائِقَ قِدَدًا means كُنَّا فِي طَرَائِقَ قِدَدًا We have taken up completely different, completely apart pathways in life. قِدَد comes from the word قَدَّ قَدَّ means to rip. Like in Surah Yusuf. وَإِنْ كَانَ كَمِيسُهُ قُدَّ مِن دُبُرٍ Qudda to rip. It's ripped. Qidadan, they're totally torn. In other words, our lifestyles, the jinns, their lifestyles are completely separate from one another. They're not one thing. They're not one way. And they're not two ways either, like Muslim and non-Muslim. Or, you know, evil and good, and that's it. They're kind of like humanity. Humanity has all kinds of lifestyles, doesn't it? There's all kinds of variations. So they're basically saying, among, them, among us, we have been all kinds of lifestyles. That's what we are. And we had assumed And we had realized Once this revelation started coming Whatever it was We didn't know what it was Until today Then we heard the Quran We realized this is the classified thing That was coming all this time See that's what, that's what hit them Oh that's what was coming from the sky That's why there was so much security And now we've come to realize That nobody's going to be overpowering Allah in the land in other words, this, this message will be victorious. Overpowering Allah means overpowering the message of Allah, the mission of Allah, the revelation of Allah. Nobody's going to be taking it on. This language is used several times in the Quran. The most explicit time it's used is in Surah At-Tawbah. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّكُمْ غَيْرُ مُعْجِزِ You had better know you're not going to be overpowering Allah anymore. What does that mean, overpowering Allah? Well, Makkah has been conquered. The idols have been destroyed. The Muslims are in complete control of Makkah. And then the announcement is being, Makkans haven't been kicked out of Makkah yet. The, the mushrikun. And the surah is being revealed in their face. And it's being told, try to overpower Allah now. You had better get it through your heads. It's not happening anymore. أَنَّكُمْ غَيْرُ مُعْجِزِ You're not going to literally a'jaza to bring someone to their knees, to incapacitate someone. You're not going to bring this cause, this cause, this mission to its knees anymore. This is the same language that's used uh, in, in Surah Al-Qasas. Actually, no, in Surah Al-Kabud, I believe. وَمَا أَنْتُمْ بِمُعْجِزِينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي السَّمَاءِ Ibrahim uses it for his people. You're not going to be able to overpower Allah. No way. Not in the earth, not in the sky. Now the jinns realize when they hear the power of the Qur'an, they realize there's no overpowering this message. That's the lesson to take home here. When you and I internalize Qur'an, then one of the things that goes deep and runs in our blood after that is there's no way this message will be defeated. There's no way. This kalam is too high. It's got too high a power. There's no way loss will come to this message. You and I can suffer loss. This deen, no. It's beyond defeat. أَلَّا نُعْجِزَ اللَّهَ فِي الْأَرْضِ 
We won't be able to defeat Allah or you know, put this message down, overpower it, and we cannot put him down by running away either. We won't be able to overpower his mission by running away. Meaning if he's got punishment intended for us, we won't be able to defeat that plan by escaping, running away. And we, especially us, the moment we heard the guidance, Amanabihi, we came to believe in it, Faman Yu'min Birabbihi, then whoever would come to believe in their master, Falayakhafu Bakhsan, then he will not be afraid of Bakhs. Bakhs means naqs, like a shortage in compensation. Bakhs means you're about to get paid, you were expecting $500 paycheck, you got a $420 paycheck, and you say, what? And they say taxes. They go, That's Bakhs. Bakhs means you got less than what you expected. They say, the jinns say, when somebody believes in Allah, then he's never afraid of being shortchanged when he's about to get paid. Nor is he afraid of being piled on with more and more and more trouble. And he will not be piled on with more crimes than he committed. This is Rahaq, same the piling. Okay. And among us there are those, the Muslim ones, the, the submissive ones. And among us are the unfair ones. This is an important verb for all of you to know. Qasata, qasata, yaqsutu. And there's aqsata, yuqsitu. There's the if'al form and the mujarrad form. And they're opposites of each other. Okay? They're opposites of each other. This is one of the effects of if'al, is that it can make the actual opposite of the verb that it, that it originates from. So qasata means to be unfair. Qasata means to be unfair. Aqsata means to remove unfairness, meaning to be just. To get rid of unfairness is aqsata. To be unfair, to do unfairness is qasata. Now the ism fa'il of unfairness, qasata, what's the, unf- what's the unfair person? Qasid, that's anna min al-qasitun. What's the ism fa'il of the fair one, the one who removes unfairness? Muqsid, so Allah says, inna allaha yuhibbul muqsitin. Allah loves those who, who get rid of unfairness. So adil is fairness too. Muqsid more highlights getting rid of uh, unfairness. Making sure you're not unfair. And it was one thing to make sure you're fair, it's another to go back and say, let me just double check, I didn't shortchange anybody. I didn't, do, I didn't sell anybody short. That's muqsid. Now a, another verb like this, this, just so you know, is shaka yashku. What does shaka yashku mean? You guys read this. To complain. Ashka yushki is to alleviate the complaint. To make someone happy. To get rid of their complaint. Ashka yushki. Okay? So it, it, it has the opposite effect. Okay? So, min al-qasitun, among us are those who are unfair. Al-ja'iruna bi kufrihim, those who keep running with their kufr. Al-adiluna an tariq al-haq, the ones who get away from the path, they deviate from the path of truth. Faman aslama, then whoever's come to accept Islam. Fa'ula'ika taharraw rashada. Then those are the people that have made the intention and the free intention to stay on the right path. The harraw. The harraw comes from hurriya, which is freedom. But it's in the meaning of qasada, to intend. They've made the free intent. They've made, that, oh, mind, they made their own mind that they're going to follow the right way. وَأَمَّا الْقَاسِتُونَ And as far as the qasitun are concerned, meaning the, the unfair among us are concerned, فَكَانُوا لِجَهَنَّمَ حَطَبًا Then they have always been firewood for hellfire. They've just been fuel for hell. Now this is Allah's comment, uh, some say. Uh, actually, this is, this, that's ijma'ah. وَأَلَّوْا اِسْتَقَامُوا عَلَى الطَّرِيقَةِ And had they been firm on the path. الطَّرِيقَةِ Tariqah has a tamar buta at the end. Tariq means path. الطَّرِيقَةِ Tamar buta للمبالغة وللمرة. للمرة. The single path. Meaning al-Islam. There's al-Islam here. Okay. So you have in the Qur'an the word sirat for Islam. You also have الطَّرِيقَةِ for Islam. For Islam. الشَّرِيعَةِ not sharia, but sharia for Islam. Why? Because the Tabar Buta, what does it do? Single. This is the one single path. There is no other path. If they remained on the right path, At-Tariqati, لَأَسْقَيْنَاهُمْ مَا أَنْ غَدَقَ Then we would have given them drink that is غَدَق. يعني كَثِيرًا يَتَّسِعُ بِهِ العيش. There's so much water that they can live abundantly with it. The word ghadaq is used in the Arabic language to suggest, it's a social term. It's used to suggest when there's a lot of water in a place, then they live really well. 
And you know what? That's a really deep analysis. It's not just Makkah and Zamzam came and they lived well in Makkah, etc. But you know, you have some of the most fertile places and some of the most beautiful places in the world are abundant with what? They're abundant with water, which gives rise to the greenery in the area, the atmosphere, all of that. So, you know, why is California such expensive real estate? It's certainly not because of the earthquakes. It's, you know, it's because of the water. It's because of that, you know. So you have, you have rivers and lakes and lakefront properties become the most expensive. The best kinds of farming areas are the ones that are close to rivers because water is running there, you know. So this is ghadaq. Ghadaq is water that, it, that, it, that opens the doors to luxury. Allah says, we would have opened the doors to luxury for them by means of water. If they, fall, if they stayed on the path. Meaning this is the water of Jannah. fihi. So that we can try, to, we can test them. And what Allah is saying is, we gave them this path so we can test them in that path. And whoever would ignore, deliberately ignore the, the, the mention of his master. An doesn't get translated. Remember I told you there are some verbs where the preposition doesn't get translated? This is, it's kind of like that. Okay? So you don't really translate ta'an. But let me tell you something about i'rad. Arad means to present something. I'rad means to ignore something. To not, it's the opposite of arada. Arada, presenting. Arada, to not look at what's being presented. I don't want to look at it. Okay? And you know it's there. <laughs> There's a presentation and you're avoiding the presentation. You don't want to look at it. And that word is used not just, I mean, when you translate it with the verb ignore. It doesn't communicate enough. Like you ignored something, overlooked something. Ignore when you fully acknowledge what it is. And you're really doing hard, you're working hard to kind of sidestep it and pretend it's not there. That's i'rad. So whoever would do that with the mention of his master, yaslukhu adaban sa'ada, he will throw him in. Yaslukhu, he will stick him in. Salaka also means to stick, but in, in, here in the meaning of adkhala, he'll throw him in or make him enter into a punishment, adaban sa'adan. Sa'adan means elevating. Su'ud literally means climbing. And this is an ism mubalagha. What that means here is shaqan. It's very difficult. Ya'luhu. It overpowers him. The punishment overpowers him. Wa yaghlibuhu. It dominates him. Fala yutiquhu. He has no power over it. Sa'adan also means the punishment keeps getting, the level of intensity keeps getting elevated and elevated and elevated. It continuously elevates. This is adaban sa'adan. Wa anna al-masajida lillah. And that the places to do sajda, and the times to do sajda, and the limbs of ours that do sajda, the hands do sajda, the nose and the forehead does sajda, the knees do sajda, the feet do sajda. Because all, all the limbs that are involved in the sajda, they're also called masajid. These are places of sajda on our body. They're places of sajda on our body. They're also called masjid. They're a dharf too. The times of sajda, the times of prayer, they belong to Allah. That time isn't yours. It's Allah's time. al masajid alillah. This is a conclusion they realized. These jinn, they realized, we have our free time when we go hang out in the sky and get shot at and whatever, but there are some times that just belong to Allah. Also, the, of course, warf is not just zaman, it's also makan. So what does that mean? The masajid that you come to know, the places of sajda, they belong to Allah. But فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ أَحَدًا Don't call anybody with Allah at all. One of the implications of that is, don't use your limbs. At the time of sajda, for anything else then, sajda. Don't use that time for anything else. Don't call on anything else. When that time comes, accept sajda. Come to salat. The places of worship of Allah should not be used for anything else. They belong to Allah. They should not be used to call on anybody else. They need to be cleansed. This is the implication of you know, not, doing, uh, uh, not doing shirk in the house of Allah, the, the idols that were there. وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا Then don't call on Allah anybody else. Don't, don't, don't call on anyone besides Allah in them. Now, or actually not in them. Don't call anybody besides Allah. That's it. فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا Not fiha. I want to tell you a funny story about فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا And then I'll move on. Um, there was once in a masjid that shall not be named, a program being held, and the idea was to raise money for some humanitarian cause. It was an earthquake or something like that. Right? This was a good intention. And one of the you know, board members at the masjid, a doctor probably, actually he was. But I don't hate on doctors. They donate a lot to our masjid. But anyhow, so they 
So this physician decides that he's going to get this pharmaceutical company to come and set up their booth at the masjid. Because that'll, the, the pharmaceutical company said, we'll donate X amount if you let us set up a booth and do a trial for our drug or something. So this guy thinks he's a good idea that we should have this, you know how this convention booth display things? He has them at the entrance, this woman in a skirt at the entrance of the masjid with a booth, giving people sample like pharmaceutical drugs and pamphlets. And they're holding a program in the, in the basement of the masjid. We don't have basements in Texas. He's holding a program in the basement of the masjid. And you know they're putting all these non-Muslims are there, and it's, it doesn't look like a masjid at that point. It's some kind of social event, right? And the the the, the wall at the, you know sometimes when the musalla gets overfilled, you pray downstairs, right? And so the wall that you the, the qibla faces, and the masjids, you know we don't have much artwork, we don't have elaborate you know paintings and things like that. The whole wall is the American flag. The whole wall is the American flag. The, the wall that faces the Qibla. So the program happened, people are upset, and you know, whatever. It's over. Guy leaves the flag there. Okay? This was on a Saturday. Next day is Sunday school. And we had this, you know, this young brother, young guy, like 17, 18 year old, passionate about his deen, go downstairs, teach the Sunday school kids, and he sees the flag. And he's burning. He tears it down, wraps it up, hides it. And he's not going to tell anybody about it. Just let it go. The, the president of the masjid comes back and he's furious. Somebody stole masjid property. <laughs> it is haram to steal. <laughs> Dude, you got bigger problems than haram to steal. So the kid, what does he do eventually? He leaves the, he took it, put it in a bag, the flag, and he wrote, masajida lillahi fala Allahi ahada. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that was just fun to watch. That was just fun to watch. But come on, don't use masjids for that stuff. Don't use it for that stuff, you know? And people are putting like their pictures in there and shaking hands with the mayor and they've got a picture in the community hall or whatever. Come on, dude. It's a masjid. No, it's an Islamic center. I don't care what you call it, it's still a masjid. People don't donate here because it's an Islamic center. They donate here, they come here to, the, to pray. That's it. It's a masjid. It has to be respected as such. Don't do other stuff in it. Now, other Islamic causes and things like that, that's still, you know, calling to Allah. That's fine. But this otherworldly stuff, it's just, you know, there's a limit to what you can do. You know, and credit you can give to others and glorify other things. Especially when it comes to glorifying, you can't glorify anybody other than Allah in a masjid. It's just, you know, all kinds of wrong. Then don't call anybody besides Allah. And by the way, the balagha in this ayah is not just fiha. He doesn't say, don't call Allah anyone other than Allah in the masjid. He says, don't call anyone other than Allah. What do you think? Doing shirk with me is haram in the masjid and not outside? The fact that you go into the masjid should train you of the universality of not calling anyone other than Allah. And then masajid alillah when you get to respect the masjid for what it is, then you will internalize nobody should be called other than Allah. Especially not in, but anywhere. فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا وَأَنَّهُ لَمَّا قَامَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يَدْعُوهُ And oh my goodness, أَنَّهُ أَنَّهُ is just the who is just there, just so you could get to say أَنَّهُ. It's the placeholder. And it's referring, لَمَّا قَامَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ is how it was going to begin. Right, so the who doesn't refer to anything, the lami doesn't go back to anything, it's just there because so, you can't use anna with lamma together. And we wanted to say that when the slave of Allah calls on him, whenever the slave of Allah stood calling on him, meaning he's talking about the, the Prophet ﷺ making salat. To them, when the Prophet ﷺ was standing, reciting Quran, making salat, their description of it was when the slave of Allah stood calling Allah, calling him. That's what Quran is, us calling Allah with the words he taught us. That's how we're supposed to think about it. لَمَّا قَامَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يَدْعُوهُ كَادُوا يَكُولُونَ عَلَيْهِ لِبَدَى They were almost piled up on top of him. مُتَرَاكِمِينَ مِنْ إِزْدِحَامِهِمْ مُتَعَجِّبًا They were piled up from behind like, what's that, what's that, what's that? And some say that this is referring to the jinn, the few jinn that were passing by. One of them started listening, second one started listening, third one started listening. And the other one said, hey, let me listen. And he's climbing on the other one. And they're like piling up on top of each other to listen. Others say that this is even the Quraysh. 
that some were trying to you know, intimidate the Prophet ﷺ in what he's doing. So they're coming and staring and others come and others come and they're just piling on top. That's the word libadan. That they're almost going to fall over on top of him. Kadu yakununa alayhi libadan. And the Prophet ﷺ is not intimidated and he's not there for the crowd. So he's not happy that the crowd is there when he's pr- praying. And he's not like scared that, he's, you know, that the crowd is there. He just says, let me just tell you what I'm doing here. Qul innama ad'u rabbi. I'm just calling my master. That's all I'm doing. وَلَا أُشْرِكُ بِهِ أَحَدًا I'm not associating anything with him. قُلْ إِنِّي لَا أَمْلِكُ لَكُمْ ضَرًّا وَلَا رَشَدًا Tell them I am not capable of controlling any harm that comes your way, nor any benefit, any, any guidance that comes your way. I don't control guidance. You know, ضَرًّا usually comes as an opposite of نَفْعًا. ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا He says ضَرًّا وَلَا رَشَدًا What is the Prophet saying? I don't control guidance. إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَابْتْ The Prophet told him. Allah told the Prophet you don't guide whoever you love. You're not responsible to guide them. That's not your responsibility. Allah tells the Prophet, I didn't send you as a guardian over them. I didn't make you responsible. You just have to communicate the message. That's it. Now the Prophet himself is saying, I don't control guidance. I have, it's not under my control. Tell them, even I, nobody can protect me from Allah. If Allah is angry with me, no one can protect me from Him. If I don't do my job, if I don't recite this Qur'an, just because I'm intimidated by you, I start not reciting this Qur'an, I stop reciting, who's going to protect me from Allah? I'm not afraid of you, I'm afraid of Allah. And I'm not going to find any multahad. What was multahad? I think you might have heard that somewhere. What is it, multahad? It's a refuge. Malja. Malja, a place to go, a place to take refuge. Some place I can lean back. Some place I can find. Except all of what I'm reciting to you is nothing but a, res- a message, a communique from Allah. And all it is is His, his letters. And whoever would disobey Allah and His Messenger, فَإِنَّ لَهُ نَارَ جَهَنَّمُ And he especially is going to have fire, the fire of Jahannam, خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا They are all going to remain in it, أَبَدًا, always. حَتَّى إِذَا رَأَوْ مَا يُعَدُونَ Until the very time, meaning things are not going to change until they see whatever they've been promised. Allah is saying حَتَّى here to imply لَنْ يَتَغَيَّرُوا حَتَّى They're not going to change. And some of these people are stuck in their ways. The kuffar are stuck in their ways. Some of the jinns, the evil jinns are stuck in their ways. Until they see what they have been promised. مَا يُعَدُونَ فَسَيَعْلَمُونَ مَنْ أَضْعَفُ نَاصِرًا Then they will see who's weaker in, in, uh, as far as a helper is concerned. Meaning who's weaker in terms of having a helper. This is tamyiz, nasiran. Right? The Quraysh said, who's going to help you? What help do you have? They, they would look at their numbers and they'd be proud of their numbers. Actually, this theme will continue when we get to Surah Al-Qiyamah. They were so into their numbers. So when Allah says, Allah has 19 guardian uh, angels over hell, عشر, one of the Quraysh said, just 19? I could take 10. Some of you, one of you take 9. We got this. It's not a big deal. That was their attitude. They were really proud of their numbers. So Allah says, we'll find out who's weaker as, as far as finding a helper. Who's lesser in number. So they say, yeah, yeah, helper. Yeah, sure, we're going find to out, find out soon. Soon they'll find out. What are we going to find out? The Prophet is told, tell them. This in is in the meaning of la. I have no clue. I don't know at all. Is it near what you've been promised? Or is Allah going to, my master, going to extend the deadline by a long period of time? I don't know. Amad, long time. Alimul ghaib. He is the knower of the unseen. Yani Rabbi alimul ghaib. Sifa. My master, who will extend the master who is the knower of the unseen. And he doesn't manifest his, his unseen knowledge on anybody. He doesn't let anybody know what the unseen is. Alhara to make manifest. To make obvious to somebody. To make lahir for someone. Lahir means obvious. Alhara to make obvious. He doesn't make his unseen knowledge, his unseen secrets known to anyone. Illa man min Except who he may be pleased with from among, um, uh, you know, of a kind of messenger. Of any messenger. Min rasulin. Any messenger he might give some information. And he might open the doors to the unseen for him. You know, 
In some circles, the Prophet ﷺ is praised extensively. And as a result of that praise, things are said about him like he knows the unseen and all of it and all of this kind of stuff. And it's difficult to, you know, uh, have a conversation, a civil conversation about this subject without people getting really, really emotional and heated because, of course, you're talking about the Rasul ﷺ, right? But just as people that don't want to go cross a line that Allah set for us, there are some things we should remember about the knowledge of the Prophet If you remember three things at least, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong in what the Prophet knows. There's a fourth item and we, we stay silent on that one. So what are the three things? The first thing is that the Prophet's knowledge isn't his. It's granted to him. It's not, it's not his property, it's given to him. رَبَّنَا لَا عِلْمَ لَنَا إِلَّا مَا عَلَّمْتَنَا The angels themselves don't own knowledge and his knowledge comes from an angel and the angel himself doesn't have that knowledge. It's Allah's knowledge, right? So that's the first acknowledgement. The second acknowledgement is that it has limits. Allah's knowledge doesn't have limits. All creations have limits and every attribute of creation has limits. In other words, the, the attribute of the Prophet ﷺ of being knowledgeable has limits compared to Allah. The third is that Allah's knowledge is infinite. It has no beginning and no end. But any creation's knowledge has a beginning and has an end. That, those are the three distinguishers when you compare the, the attributes of creation to the attributes of Allah, sometimes the same word is used. I'm nice, or I'm merciful, Allah is merciful. I'm knowledgeable, Allah is knowledgeable. The same word is being used, knowledgeable, for Allah and for me. How do you distinguish then if the same word is being used? Sometimes it is. Allah says he's Sami, he's listening. Well, we're listening too. How do you distinguish? Well, you distinguish by these three distinctions. First, whose property is that ability? My hearing isn't mine. So it's property, it's gift given to me from Allah, so it's not mine. Allah's hearing is His own, it's not given to Him. The second, what did I say? What was the second distinction? Huh? Limits. My hearing has limits. Allah's hearing, no limits. Take, it, take any attribute, knowledge, you know, hearing, wisdom, doesn't matter. The third, what was the third? I'm, mine has a beginning, mine has an end. Allah's listening, Allah's hearing, has no beginning, has no end. Now the question comes, after you acknowledge these three things, the, the theological problem is gone. Now the, 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 at least the shirk aspects of it are gone. Now what did Allah teach His Prophet and what didn't He teach His Prophet? How much does He know? How much does He know? Well, what He knows and He taught us, we know. What He knows and He didn't teach us, we won't know. So let's just be quiet about it. <laughs> are there secrets that Allah told His Prophet that we may never know? It's possible. We can't say anything about it then. Then why, why make conjecture about a subject we can't know about? The Prophet ﷺ is making salat and he takes a step forward and he's in salat, he takes a step back. And the Sahaba say, what just happened? He says, I saw Jannah. And I was so moved by it, I wanted to go grab a fruit of it. And then Allah showed me nar. And I just took a step back. The Prophet ﷺ saw Jannah and nar. He didn't imagine it. It wasn't just some bit. He literally saw Jannah and literally saw nar. Allah shows him secrets. Shows him things we can't. We're, we're the Sahaba in the same room. They won't see Jannah and they won't see Nar. The Prophet might even get to touch the fruit. We won't. You know, we won't. That's, the Rasul gets access to knowledge that we don't have access to. It's fine. But to try to put, quantify what does he know and what doesn't he know, beyond what the revelation says, that's territory that we shouldn't be stepping into. We should just take, plead the fifth on that one. Just leave it. Don't, don't open your mouth about it. Okay. So almost done with the surah inshallah ta'ala. Alimul ghaib, he's the knower of the unseen. Fala yudhiru ala ghaibihi ahadan. He doesn't manifest, make known his unseen onto anybody, illa manirtalam al rasul, except whoever among the messenger class he may find uh, or he may be pleased with. Fa innahu yasluku min bayni yadayhi wa min khalfihi rasaba. Then he installs, he places right in front of him and right behind him guards, meaning guardian angels. So when he does send a message, some ghaib knowledge to his messenger, then he sends it by means of, an, of angels that follow behind him and in front of him. There's an entire security detail that gives him that knowledge or that, that protects him when he gets that knowledge. لِيَعْلَمَ أَن قَدْ أَبْلَهُ رِسَالَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ وَأَحَاطَ بِمَا لَدَيْهِمْ So that he may know, meaning Allah may get to test, that they have communicated the messenger, messages of their master. Meaning, Allah wants to get to know that once the prophets are protected, that they deliver the message they're supposed to deliver. I already took care of your protection, so you have nothing to fear now. 
Now just do your job and communicate the letters that you've been given, the messages that you've been given to the people. وَأَحَاطَ بِمَا لَدَيْهِمْ And he is in complete... He has completely encircled whatever they have. He has complete knowledge of what they have. Ahata here means alima ilman tamman. He knows completely what they have. Wa ahsa kulla shayin adada, and he has complete count, full count of all and everything. Ahsa kulla shayin adada. Referring to revelation means Allah knows exactly what He revealed to His prophets. He knows exactly what ayah goes where, what surah goes where, what meaning of what word goes where. In terms of count, in terms of number, down to the finest detail, Allah has complete knowledge. So with that, we conclude, alhamdulillah, a brief study of Surah Al-Jinn. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.